You ready to go? I'm ready to go. So, Nathan, I think that this little story that I have to tell kind of fits nicely with the conversation that that we were just having, because it comes back to uh, how we look at the world, how we look at the world before we even enter into the world and leave the safety of our home. And then also, for me at least, what we're telling ourselves, what I, what messages I give myself in a subtle way. And am I letting my inner voice, my inner critic run the show? So for the last this, couple of weeks, yep. this, you're, you're talking about uh, you got an infected finger and I ended did. up, ended up uh, I think you waited for a while. And uh, some people do. And then uh, myself and a few other people uh, were trying to get you to go in. And eventually you did. Understandable, yeah. understandable reluctance. But yeah, so. Yeah. So it. I had a, a, a raging infection in my um, left index finger and I'm left handed. So it's a it's pretty important when you suddenly can't use your index finger at all. And uh, I don't have a family doctor. I actually just got a family doctor, but. Up, up until last oh, wow. week, I didn't get, I didn't have one. Who are and you? so <laughs> it, it became, it became obvious to me that I was going to need a prescription and, and yeah, you, um, you and other people in my life were kind of just gently nudging me along in that direction and, um, couldn't get into a walk-in because walk-ins are nearly impossible to get into nowadays, especially if you work a normal job. So do I go to the ER and you know, that was my, that was my workplace for most of my career. And the ER in my community was my workplace for the last five years of my career, say. So do I do that? And as I was, after you had given me this last nudge to get some Keflex into my system to treat this infection, I was kind of weighing it out. And what I realized was that the all of the messages I was giving myself that said, no, just wait, give it another day. They were un just below the surface of those messages that were keeping me from getting uh, a prescription were rooted in negative self-talk that I'd be walking into a hornet's nest by returning to my former place of work, okay. that people wouldn't accept me, that people would judge me, that going in there would be terrifying and anxiety producing and make me feel unsafe or maybe it would even make me feel an urge i didn't know how it was how it was going to feel i've never walked back in there since before i was taken off of work did you and feel like uh you didn't deserve to was there some of that kind of i i think there was like oh you know just da downplaying it mm. and i'm sensible enough and and know my emergency medicine enough to know that that finger needed to be looked at. But, but what I was saying was like, Oh no, it's fine. Give it a couple, couple of days. It'll go away. And really I, I'm, it's not a big deal, but beneath that, it's like, if I was really holding myself up and saying like, no, I deserve to have this looked at. It's important for me to have this looked at. That was kind of negative self-talk um, masquerading as like just being kind of, casual or flippant about what was going on you being a tough guy or being a tough guy or just being like mm -hmm. a a pragmatic nurse who's like oh no i don't want to go and you know tax the already taxed system but what was what was beneath that was all kind of like self-doubting negative messaging so to 
actually support myself and like like we just talked about to like turn that compassion towards myself to turn it inwards and to dispute those irrational beliefs because those are irrational beliefs that I was telling myself and to say no I I deserve to have a doctor look at my finger I deserve to get a, a prescription I deserve to not be judged so if I'm judged or mistreated by former coworkers that's on them that's not on me because mm-hmm. I deserve to be to have medical attention in this moment yeah you certainly don't deserve to lose a finger no <laughs> and and of course once i go in there it is very different from the reality that my inner voice was telling me it yeah it didn't feel um it didn't feel as scary as i like disputed some of those irrational beliefs the people were like not only friendly but in some cases happy to see me in like big waves and Hey, like, oh my God, we haven't seen you in, in ages. Where did you go? Where did you go? So they didn't even, they don't even know what's, what my, what my story is. They were just happy to see me and yeah, come on in. And they got me in and I saw a doctor within 20 minutes and, uh, and left and my finger is, is better. But just like, this is a, a, a challenge that we talk about in meetings and we talk about you know, reintegrating into the workplace and how to go back into your workplace. My circumstance is a little bit different because I'm not working for the same, in the same workplace or even in the same line of work, but that's such a big challenge for all of us to face that. It is. And for me, what I just in that moment, what I realized was that that inner critic of mine was willing to sacrifice my health and well being to like, act like he was protecting me or to hold up this front kind of a thing. So a very interesting little moment of, of um, a lesson there for sure. Well, it's a great example of true irrational belief. You know, you are a healthcare professional who's probably treated multiple patients with a near identical wound. Oh my God. Yeah. You know what happens if you don't treat it. And here you are trying to convince yourself and successfully for quite a while convincing yourself that you were doing the right thing by not going in mm-hmm. because it was easier than, you know, facing the reality that you had built inside your mind, which is, I, I, I see that quite often in people who are early along in the process. And I think not only the effects of withdrawal from whatever substance they're on, but, or they were on, but that period of time where you're kind of in limbo and all you have to do is think about what, what's going on in your life. And depending on your tendency towards a positive or negative outlook, you're going to build a story. You're going to start fortune telling, you know? And yeah, it can get bad. I, I was shocked by how different reality was from the version of reality that I thought was going to happen as far as, you know, how people reacted to my situation. Um, I had, uh, you know, I had it tagged as a catastrophe in my, in my mind. Like I Mm -hmm. thought basically the worst was going to happen. And it was, it was nothing like that. No, I was, I mean, I was definitely lucky because I know it's not like that for everybody, but, uh, and I had lots of support, which is awesome. 
But uh, yeah, I don't think it's like for people like us who tend towards this kind of thinking. Yeah, it's it's. And how do you temper that? I mean, you're you're aware of this, right? Mm-hmm. I think about it a lot, and you know, it, it just got me thinking just now about anxiety, and that anxiety is certainly a a very real physiological and mental phenomenon that occurs. And I think part of why it occurs is also to keep us safe. Like, yep. um, in terms of in a, in an evolutionary way to keep us safe, but that inner voice can cue that anxiety up on demand in some cases. And if, if the anxiety is being driven by an irrational belief coming from that inner voice, then to, how, how do we temper that? How do we challenge it? I think going back to our conversation about self-supporting messages, about self-loving messages, and about disputing that and saying, is this true right now? Yeah, is or it, sa- says who? <laughs> sa- says who? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so to challenge it, to dispute it, and then also to like to build to to actively say, I deserve to have medical care. I deserve to walk into that ER. I live in this city. I'm a homeowner. I pay taxes. Even if I wasn't a homeowner and paid taxes, I would still deserve it. Mm-hmm. But everything that I rationally know about myself tells me that I deserve this right now. Mm-hmm. And the things that are telling me that I don't deserve it are not rational. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's like a uh, runaway, improperly attenuated mechanism that for some reason is involved in it's a protection mechanism at its root, but now you're in a, a totally different environment than the one it was in, you were in, your ancestors were in when that was a, a more important mm-hmm. system. And I guess it's got to do something with that, with that energy, right? So if you're not paying attention to it and challenging those thoughts, then it's just going to sit there and generate more kind of dark mayhem. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, yeah. The brain is a, I don't know, man. It's beyond comprehension. Yeah. How we and <laughs> all these different layers of awareness and yeah, it's, it's something. It's fascinating. And then tying it into what you were just saying, Nathan, about the, our view of the outside world, that that was certainly also a tape that was playing was that like, all of these people are going to be judgmental and rude or, you know, callous towards me or, or whatever, like telling myself all these little things that they were going to be like. And I think that was certainly my own way of trying to keep myself safe, emotionally safe uh, at the cost of physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A big cost. And really, again, these people are just doing their jobs. I know the people that work there well enough to know that they're compassionate and kind and would do anything that anyone coming into the ER would need to help them feel better. Mm -hmm. So why would it be any different? Well, it must've been pretty therapeutic for you to go through that situation and just, you know, go in and be treated like a a regular patient and to actually have people, you know, happy to see you, which I would imagine. I mean, I like working with you in all these projects we do. I imagine you're a great guy to work with uh, in the hospital. So there's probably when you left, I mean, regardless of what people know, and even if they do, I guarantee you, there'd be lots of people who are like, God damn it. I wish Corey was still here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I probably so. So a good lesson. And, and sometimes it takes something like that to, to sort of like thrust us forward into the next stage of healing or of, I say therapy in, in like the broader sense of like immersion, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Getting immersed in, in real life and like, then realizing that it's not as bad as the picture that we can paint for ourselves. Yeah. If you can, if you're in a spot to withstand that, then I think that's, there's no better medicine. Yeah. It's uh, it's just depends on where you're at. Yeah. All right. Great analogy. 